What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today, we are talking about Season 3, Episode 22, Explorers. And, uh, folks, it is a very monumentous episode. Uh, you know, are we gonna are we starting the war with the Dominion? No. That we have any giant character deaths or huge plot manufactured? No. But we know what it is, Mike. Mike, what time is it? It's hashtag... Hashtag? I blew that. Really blew it. Hashtag. <laughs> Your first word on the show is hashtag. hashtag. God damn it. Nailed it. Uh, I think you hashtag nailed that. It's hashtag go go time that CEO Jen has been saying all week, and I just, it's stuck. We love it. Hashtag. So wherever you are, Mm-hmm. man, lady, or anywhere in between on the spectrum, grow yourself a goatee today, or at least uh, fashion one out of the closest yeah. mascara stick you can find. Yeah. Which, let's do uh, this thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think we look amazing. And, and, and yes, both of us independently uh, came up with the idea to use our wives and or ex-wives uh, mascara because mm-hmm. our goatees are too silver to be able to really appreciate all of it uh i actually appreciated that they started the episode with ben like coming back from some sort of a trip to show that some time had passed so for him to grow that full ass goatee yeah that was clearly fake in this episode and will be real for the rest of it uh but these are 100 percent real and i thought this might be a good opportunity to do a little time traveling mike are you excited to do some time Mm -hmm. traveling in fact one could say that we're going to uh time sail I can feel the sense flying away. Oh, that's right next to I am Dute, so get ready. That one's that one's sticking around, folks. Oh, great. We will never make another scent on the show. <laughs> no, that's not long enough to, to, to decommission Yes, us. it is! Every time we have this... <laughs> oh, my... Yes, it is! Come it 100% on. is. That's Christopher Cross. And you know what? We don't need any money just to hear... Come on. Sailing, take me away. I'm charging you for this. Every time you do that, out of your wallet, you need to pull out 32 cents, my share in this episode. Uh, But here, I I want to do some time traveling with you, folks, because uh, I haven't worn this goatee in, in quite some time. Uh, a goatee quite like this. Let's see it. But, Let's see it. But like, if if we if we travel back into the way back, and uh, perhaps we can uh, take a look at my very first headshot. Oh boy! Uh, here here I am. Hold Nikola on. We, Tesla. We, there there I am in my I very very dude. <laughs> and besides the very obvious creep in the hair. I think I think I've done okay because uh, this is this headshot is from 22 years ago. 1920. <laughs> it is from 22 years ago. That Keith was like, "Oh man, these Coke bottle glasses are really going to set me apart." I'm going to yes, uh, I'm going to be a famous. You know, by the time 2023 happens, I'm definitely going to be a famous opera star, right? Oh, that is. I mean, I'm I'm going to be. Successful and famous for that sure. Is special. That is a special, special screenshot. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're welcome, Internet. Yeah, those glasses. You know, I uh, I'll I'll keep my glasses. I wouldn't mind the hairline, 
Because I was coming down a little lower than it does now. Well, uh, I mean, we don't know what kind of zhuzh you got going up there. It might not have been that much better. Oh, no, 100%. Hair was down to here back yeah. then. I, get, well, I bet you, you definitely paid more for those glasses then. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah. No, for sure. So, anyway, grateful to still have hair. Grateful uh, for uh, being desaturated for just a moment. Uh, so, there we are. We, all, we can all commemorate. Folks, uh, are you commemorating uh, hash, hashtag goatee go time? <laughs> yeah. uh, send your photos to, uh, you know. Well, Instagram look at it up. Article. Instagram Insta- it up. Instagram and tag us in Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think I haven't actually checked our Deep Space Nine Instagram in like two years, but whatever. What is it? Uh, I think it's DS9 Review Show. Mm-hmm. Or do Star Trek DS9 whatever. Review. Find something. Tag just somebody. Tag us personally. Yeah. Tag us. Tag us. Anyway, ooh, wow, this is going to be weird to look at all day. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yes, so I'm excited to talk about Explorers. I, I We have not talked about it. I'm fascinated what Mike's thoughts and feelings are about this episode. Mm-hmm. But before we listen to Mike's thoughts and feelings, we have to listen to yours yeah. from last week's fantastic episode, uh, The Die is Cast. And uh, guys, you rolled some dice and we rolled high. Here are what you had to say. Joshua Cronin gave it a 95. Jason Moe, the lowest of the low at 86. YouTube viewer at a 95. Delusions at 9 gave it a 90. At noon gave it a 99. JD gives it a 96. Harry Pothead. Are you going to sneeze, Keith? I am. I'm, I'm fighting. <laughs> so you, I've never seen you fight hard for anything, that hard for anything in your life. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Harry Pothead gives it a 100. Worf's boot shivs with a 94. Kevin Miles comes in with a 97. And Sans Didi with the super tip who you can join. And I will read your comment if you leave a super tip in the YouTube comments below with your rating in self-sealing stem bolts of Explorers. Sans Didi gives it a 98.2 and says, This episode is incredible. As I've said many times, Garrick is my favorite on the show, and I had to pick five screenshots to demonstrate him as a character. The pained face he makes when he's trying to break Odo would be one of them. This is where we see Garrick in a nutshell, someone who is capable of terrible acts, but someone who knows he's lost parts of his soul because of them. The interplay between the two of them in the scene is one of the most powerful in all of Star Trek, let alone Deep Space Nine. It establishes Odo's connection with his people, and they, and they to him, which because one of the mo- is one of the most important themes of Deep Space Nine. This episode also further demonstrates the cunning skill of the founders and how the Alpha Quadrant is not going to be dealing with the usual kind of adversary they're used to. Rene Aubergenois gives us another powerhouse performance there as well, and let's take a moment once again to appreciate the skill of giving us Odo's emotions through those prosthetics and crazy ones in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of makeup, what an amazing job they did here on Odo. Kudos. Also, pay your talent, Hollywood. Thank you. Anyway, as Keith would say, this is a 98.2 stem bolt rating for me. One of the truly great episodes of the series. Also, please tell Charlie meow meow. Meow meow, bud. Uh, Sans says he's a good kitty. He's been a very bad kitty lately. Uh, he's, he's now just taken to sitting on my hands and my keyboard and my mouse. I'm not allowed to work. Uh, oh, and Keith, you said Al Swearingen and Roland DeShane are good choices. Are you a Dark Tower fan? If yes. so, long days and pleasant nights. Sight. 
Uh, yes, I, you know, I'm I'm certainly a Stephen King fan, well into it. We've seen that character in a couple of things. Um, I have not read all the Dark Towers. I read the first one, and I haven't and and I haven't gotten into the rest of them. And I know that I should. I know they're fantastic. So here uh, you go. You ready for this? Do you know when yeah. I my brother before I left on my first national tour was with which was with Keith. That whole period of time, Keith, is when I read the Dark Tower. I read mm. it from one all the way through, and I've subsequently gone and I've reread on the bus one time to Bruton, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, it's my favorite. In fact, I'm, I have a, a little secret plan of a, a Dark Tower tattoo that I'm excited about that, that oh. will come at some point. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right. Did, did we hear from Chancellor Jen? Chancellor Jen oh, nice was going to wake up and watch. I think she did catch up. She loved it. Go figure. But she has not uh, weighed in officially. Hey, well, hold okay. on, Jen. You don't have to come on camera if you don't want, but we didn't get your episode. We didn't get your thoughts on the last episode, oh. which is the second part of the two-parter, which I know you've watched. 101, we broke the internet. We broke my scale. 101. Oh, all right. She broke the scale, she said. Okay. Broke the scale. That's the, official, that's the highest score handed out yet, Jen. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay. There it is. Okay. Well, uh, I, I hope uh, hope hope your goatee picture. You can uh, tag us on Instagram in your goatee picture uh, uh, at Keith Varney. That's Mikey I ninety nine. We want to see your goatee pictures. All right, I think it is now time to talk about Explorers, which aired on May eighth, nineteen ninety five. The top song continued to be. Uh, we really wanted everyone to know just exactly. How we do it? What the hell is that? That is the trailer, the one of the worst trailers I've ever seen, uh, for French Kiss, Keith. Yes, the Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein movie that I did not remember existed, Mm-mm. and ask me this time next week, I will not remember existed. Uh, you know now so who knows maybe it was great uh mike what was what else was great in the world right now oh, that Keith. we were maybe watching with our eyeballs yes yeah, so uh a couple of things a couple of things this is a great night on tv because everything was new we're may we're in may it's 95 the nanny dave's world murphy brown sybil chicago hope all new turning point Whiz Kid, which I think was like a news magazine turning point on ABC that they were trying on in primetime. I'm pretty sure. Sure. They're big um, on the news magazines. Then. Yeah. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in the house. The movie on NBC was Robin Cook's Virus. Uh, but oh. coming back out of retirement once again, we were rerunning, not rerunning, uh, Columba was making another return to prime time. So he was running oh. at nine o'clock. This Rebooting one was Columbus. Strange Bedfellows. I think it was episode thirteen of this like season, if I'm not or they called it season thirteen. Because remember he had it was like a weekly, then it was a it was like a Columbo had an incredible uh an incredible run. But I've always been a fan of Columbo and uh I was glad to see Peter Falk back. Uh, there'll never be another like him. Mm. The, so the virus T V movie had to have been a ripoff of Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Which came out that same year and was crazy successful and uh, a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, like Outbreak, so much fun. So Keith, I wanted to show if I could a little bit of this Columbo, uh, but just like a bit of it because 
what I thought was funny about it, this scene, let's see if I can capture the screen here for y'all in real time. Might as well do this. We're here. Uh, window capture. Okay. That looks good. Can we see that? We can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, thanks to the Columbo channel here. But this is uh, not only Columbo's Return to TV, Keith, but the first time, years before Breaking Bad, we see Heisenberg. You ready? Ooh. All right. Let's see it. Went in and made that call. George went. George went was on. So he's, he's pulling out this police sketch of the person, the perp. <laughs> it's Eisenberg. Oh, it, it totally is Eisenberg. <laughs> I guess that's supposed wow. to be George Went there, and he's like a gotcha moment, what? but it looks nothing like him. <laughs> that's supposed to be George Went? It's like the gotcha. Uh, he ordered the... Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's got he the, like, gotcha nail face. <laughs> doesn't look anything like him. Uh, Columbo, we miss you. Oh my God, I I look more like my headshot from 2001 <laughs> than that looks like George Wed. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, well, let me ask, what was Voyager doing? Well, they were doing the episode Faces, in which we got two Balana Torreses, and we also got a full-on face-off face. Uh, pretty terrifying for uh, Voyager. Uh, you want to know what else was terrifying in the weekly world news headlines? Mike, we found a statue of an angel. No, like this one? Yes, that one. <laughs> Keith, 10-inch oh. iron sculpture proves lunar surface was home to intelligent life? Apparently. It's only a 10-inch sculpture and they found it? Yeah, well, we have good we have good telescopes. James Webb te- Space Telescope. Apparently. All right. Well, uh, all right. So, uh, mercifully... The Explorers, here we are. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, who last directed The Defiant, and is written with a teleplay by Renee Echevarria, who wrote on Improbable Cause, with a story by Hilary J. Bader, who last wrote on Meridian. Mm. Uh, which means it's time for something trivial. Now, Keith, waste your time. Two, three, with four, trivial one. Trivia. So originally, this episode was going to be an O'Brien Cisco episode, hmm. but the producers wisely said uh, this should be a father-son episode, um, which I think was a excellent change. This is the first appearance of Lita, uh, which is uh, you know maybe we don't realize in this episode, but that that's kind of important. So uh, we'll talk more about who's that. playing Lita, Chase Masterton. Looks very familiar, but it's that's not who I thought. Well, she's she's Lita. That's that's how you know who it is. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, new show. You know show what they say you can lead a horse to water, but you you can't make her drink. Hmm. Iris Stephen Bear, new show <laughs> was happy uh, with the characters in this episode getting drunk because it established the difference between this show and other Trek, and certainly the very. The original series, they definitely would have gotten drunk, but like the very buttoned up next gen uh, wouldn't have had a scene like that. They certainly do later uh, in Picard, but back in the uh, 80s, 90s next gen, they were way too buttoned up to have a scene like that. And that was the way he was able to plant the flag that were a little bit different here. In the script, they actually name the ship and they name it Baraka, which means good fortune in Swahili. Uh, and I thought this was fascinating. The concept of a solar sail was first proposed on Earth by Russian scientists. Right. <laughs> I have to explain what happened there. 
uh, you, in my hash tea. You, you read goatee and said scientees? Uh, no, no. I was getting ready to try to work my way through the difficult Russian name. Mm. And so, you know, it was like one of those, like, I was like doing the ice skate, getting ready for the triple axle, and then I fell just doing a crossover. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. The Russian scientist, Konstantin Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky, something like that, in 1921. Mm. So the Bajorans were apparently using solar sails about 400 years before anyone on Earth thought of the concept. Uh... But so far, solar sails have still not actually been used by anyone from Earth, obviously. Um, but it is cool that that was a concept uh, way back in 1921. And lastly, Chase Masterton, who plays Lita, originally auditioned for the role of Marda in uh, Jake's Girlfriend in that episode. But Avery Brooks, who was directing, said she looked too old to date a 16-year-old. I think that's right. Uh, and this was originally planned to be a little one-off, one-episode character. And I think uh, Mike, being the smart guy that he is, might have picked up the subtext that we'll see. Uh, we might see Alita again. So uh, well, there we go. That cough was that was it was it was, it, it was pretty concerning. Yeah, yeah seemed, seemed seemed like a big problem. Uh, you know, you know who uh, probably at this point in the episode is pretty ashamed of doing it. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. we're going to publicly uh, put them up here. It is our patrons. Mike, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you tell us who's patroning the patron? And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, and what they get. <laughs> well, they get the just pride and joy of knowing that every, every foible, every flip, every flop that we've done this episode is their fault. And they've paid for it, hook, line, <laughs> and... Schilling, Brian, Kimball, Beersock, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the Mysterious Wharf's Boochives, Charles Babadge, Richard Coleman, CRM Productions, Nikolay Ivanovich, Lobachevsky, Delusions at Noon, Steve Brown, YouTube viewer. Was there somebody new, Keith? It's it's going to be there very shortly. Okay, JD makes God Higgin, Chris Mitchell slash CRM, Pat, Joshua Cronin. You know, Keith... I'm going to come back here while you're working on something. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we give these people some AMAs. You get to watch me watching every episode. You get to watch us watch the animated series at times. We do family picnics. We just did Star Trek V. We're going to do Wrath of Khan, I think. Maybe something next could be fun. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we play some video games. Sometimes we, we do. There's all kinds. Of, you never know what's going to drop. We've got a patron RSS feed, so you don't have to find all the different podcasts. You can just boop, get them all in one feed. Uh, and we have uh, lively chats and such, but mostly you just get the pride of producing a small channel and helping to, uh, I would call us businessmen, but that would be just a spin <laughs> the face of, of small businessmen all everywhere. Uh, truly, uh, I, think, I think we might have just created our economy but by saying that. we can do things. Did you change it? I did. You did. There he is, Harry Pothead. Welcome to the team. Two pips for you, sir. Uh, that's yes. how fast we can get your name up here, should you choose to join us, patreon.com slash K and N. That's right. Ooh. We're not fast should at we remembering start over? the update. No, we're doing this. <laughs> I have a hard out at two. Yeah, that's right. So whatever happens, And when happens. you're over 40, Keith. <laughs> it's... It's hard to out those twos? Is that what you're saying? I was going to say, you take a semi-soft out if you need to. <sighs> wow. I don't know what we're doing yet.
ba 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 And yes, I can see the comment coming about our nonsense. Yeah, we deserve it. Well aware that it is coming in the review of our review of the review. All right, uh, before we get too far into this, we have to introduce our guest stars, which Mm. of course are Mark Alimo as Gul Dukat, Barry Hockwald as Elizabeth Lenz, and Chase Masterson, welcome as Lita. Uh, And there she is, right there on our screen, in our teaser. Bashir is frowning at a pad when an absurdly attractive Dabo lady comes up and brazenly hits on him. She has a sexy little cough, and his dreams are coming true. And uh, he's actually doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. His game's not bad. Not you know he he actually like season three Bashir handles this so much better than season one Bashir. Like, I, I mean, Mike, uh, why don't you do for me what season one Bashir would do in reaction to that? <laughs> Is that what you were expecting? <laughs> I was expecting majestic glory, and that's exactly what I got. So thanks for that. Anyway, uh, Dax comes in and interrupts. And he hands her a pad that says, go away. And it's, it's a pretty solid bit. Yeah, it's not a bad bit. I was like, all right. That's, that's funny. Um, then he, she says, the Lexington is about to arrive. And this immediately freaks Bashir out. And he follows Jadzia for more information about this. And we find out that on that ship is the woman who was valedictorian in his graduating class, leaving him salutatorian, which he helpfully explains to the genius level seven lifetime Dax as second place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to 15 year old me. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, you know, but Mike, were, were you either valedictorian or salutatorian in your high school? No. What's funny is that all my friends, like, were very smart, honor, honor society, this society, but, and, you know, you put different accoutrements on your graduation gown depending on what mm-hmm. different stuff you had. Flair. Yeah, flair, yes. So what's funny is when you're walking up to my apartment, uh, we have all kinds of pictures, you know, on the on the walls and such, and there's one from my graduation with some of my good buddies who I'm still good friends with, and it's so funny because I'm wearing a blue gown, straight blue <laughs> Flat blue. Yeah. You're, you're like a walking green and I'm, screen. I'm next to my friends who look like a billboard. They've just got so <laughs> many awards and dangles and and, and bojangles, right? Uh, but it, it's funny. That Yeah. No, I, that, that's that's fair. I, you know, But how many I, of them have a podcast with tens of viewers? Tens of viewers. Yeah. Well, there you go. That, that I mean, can't argue with that. Yeah. No, I, I was not. I was not either. I was not either. Uh, so, um. Anyway, uh, he clearly dreads meeting up with this lady again. Then we arrive in the Cisco quarters, where a now seven-foot-tall Jake <laughs> is working on a pad, and which he tries to hide as soon as his father arrives, sporting Ooh. a... Hashtag goatee! Nice. There it is. Hashtag goatee. Go time. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, it, it is jarring to see him with the goatee and hair, but yeah. it is definitely uh, definitely a welcome. I, I, I'm pretty sure this one's fake though. Yeah, which was I th- I think so. 
It's is a it, little accentuated, too, like ours, but dark. I don't yeah, it's but that too... could be the AI for all we know. No, because it well, I remember it from from mm. before, thinking like that looks really fake. I mean, but, but honestly, they didn't have any time between filming these things, right? So it was literally, you know, you finish on Saturday, you're back on Monday filming the next episode. So he probably they needed to do something. I like the time. I like the. I really appreciate the bit here because that's not even a bit. I like the time they took to establish that it's a change. He says it's a change. There's like meta commentary on it in the episode. And then we roll with it. Yeah, they acknowledge it. It's great. Uh, He has been away growing his goatee at the opening of a library on Bajor. And his attention was drawn by the blueprints of an ancient Bajoran ship that possibly traveled to Cardassia as early as 800 years ago when humans were still basically in the Middle Ages. And the ship used solar sails that work with light as opposed to wind. Sailing takes me away. Um, we also saw that in Strange New World. Z- we did. Well, and that's the thing, because I told you when we saw it, like, you know, stick that, you know, Good. pin it to your monitor, because we're going to find out a little bit more about solar what sails. What are you doing? Get out of here. It's it, well, he's just knocking everything off the desk onto the floor. Why do cats do this? To get to, because he's annoyed you're podcasting and not playing with him. The same oh, reason Charlie does it to me. But then he goes. He's like, take that, take that. You need that. It's gone. Peace. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what. Uh, what? I mean, last night I was I was uh, composing, and so I've got my computer hooked up to or to my uh, to my keyboard. So I'm like, you know putting stuff into Sibelius and he just he knows that I'm using it so he goes and sits on the keyboard and composes his own stuff which is notated onto my score so annoying anyway we love you guys we love you so much uh anyway so yeah you saw on on Strange New Worlds an easter egg to this episode that's cool and now you get it so super super cool it even looked very similar uh because it was a cool easter eggs anyway so uh, Jake wonders, like, uh, could that even fly? Is that even space worthy? And Cisco says, "I'm gonna build one." And Quickly. that, is... yeah, he's gonna build one. Why the hell not? Right? He is There's a tinker. Else... They have established he does love to tinker. He put that puzzle he... clock together. He sure did. Yeah, I mean, he likes he likes to build stuff and like old timey steampunk stuff. Mm-hmm. So it which tracks. Are... Totally tracks. So in Act 1, Sisko excitedly tells Kira and O'Brien that he's got lumber coming from Bajor, and he wants old-timey tools like a saber saw to cut it with. He doesn't want to use a laser scalpel. He's going to make it just as the ancient Bajorans did. O'Brien is skeptical that the ship is spaceworthy and very much doubts that it ever got to Cardassia. Uh, And the ship is small and brittle, and at sublight speeds it would take years for them to get there. Kira is annoyed that he doubts the Bajoran legend. Uh, and uh, he, But he points out that he had to store oxygen and could have only had a few weeks on board, etc. And she says, you sound like a Cardassian because he doesn't believe that the Bajorans were ever more advanced than they were. And it's a you can clearly see that there's a lot of political machinations here with the legend of this ship. Uh, which we will play forward, which I I love. Just it, It's not a huge part of this episode, but a little bit of a layer there about, you know, who writes the history and mm-hmm. so forth, um, that I, I totally get it. It's, it's a nice little... It's, it's a nice little 
threaded in idea of the of the larger world. Yes, that's happening right. Which they here. pay off at the end, so I think that's they even totally cooler. pay it off. Yeah. Which is I, uh, I think it's really well crafted, really well written. Uh, anyway, Cisco doesn't care. He just wants to do it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Lo- I love the element of this. Is another thing like Picard really struggled with fun. Mm-hmm. But Cisco really does have a sense of whimsy and has a sense of fun. He just wants to do it. Yep. And I like that for the character. Oh, 100%. And it's, I, I love, fun is a great way to put it, but he when he geeks out about something, there are certain things he, he, he doesn't need, he doesn't have to be pragmatic about. It's just, I want to do it. It's fun. And, and he deserves it, man. He gets to blow some steam a little bit. Yeah. And he, he has a sense of play, which I think is very healthy and, and a great example for Jake. Yeah, and he never obsesses about it too much, and he and he wants to have that time with Jake. It, it's 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 yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's an opportunity to like you know build a rocket ship with your son, like mm-hmm. and a literal one in this mm-hmm. case. Pretty cool. We see a montage of him slowly building the ship by hand, uh, and he even knows how to weld. Have you ever welded, Mike? I have not ever welded. It's fun. No. Uh, later, he tries to talk Jake into going on the four or five day trip with him. Um, he wants to do the hardest part of the journey to Cardassia just to prove that it's possible. Mm-hmm. And Jake wants to go, but he's, he's got a girl coming, and uh, it's tough. Ben's disappointment is palpable, and Jake clocks it. Uh, later, Dax comes in with a sack lunch and marvels at the level of detail that Cisco is going to. The only real difference... Uh, between this ship and the Bajoran's actual ship is the gravity net because zero gravity makes Cisco and the Deep Space Nine accountants queasy. Uh, Dax can tell how excited he is. It's been a long time since uh, Dax has seen Cisco like that, since he built Jake's room as a little boy with a cool star field. Um, again, just really good character beats here mm-hmm. um and like i can totally see cisco with his with his little boy coming home from the hospital and like totally geeking out and making a cool bedroom yeah and this you know i i i've i haven't had a lot of time to think through this episode because i just watched it and i think i'm i have a <clears throat> a bias about it because this storytelling all the father-son stuff really strikes me deep and of course i remember being 16 and having a moment very similarly where you know, my dad and I would always watch. We had Saturday nights was kind of our night, and I remember when I started getting old enough that I started getting social plans on Saturday nights and having to start weighing those. Yeah, the decision to sacrifice that time, and obviously you're not benefited of foreknowledge of knowing how how brief that time is and how you only, there right. is a, a finite number of Saturday nights, but. Even at even at sixteen seventeen, when you're at the height of you know horny and the height of uh, so, the importance of social acceptance, right, right. I had I remember the emotional weight of wrestling with that, and you know even looking back, it affects me. But I know in that moment I felt it. So I, what I really loved, and you don't see on TV too often, is often it's we get the beat of oh, a parent losing their child or child dumb d- dumbly sacrificing that time but here Jake has the emotional quotient of, of wrestling with it and I love that bit I think it's oh, important yeah. for the dynamic and it's cool to see Avery Brooks really get excited in these episodes you can tell he's firing 100% because as we read in the companion we've mentioned on the show 
he was really set on on portraying a wholesome three-dimensional healthy father-son relationship especially as people of color and i think it's just wonderful to watch yeah i 100 percent agree and and uh, we'll talk more about it later um but i i'd love it I, i think it's i think it's really really terrific work um so, uh, Dax can also tell that Cisco's heartbroken that Jake isn't coming along, but he understands that Jake is growing up. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, I think it speaks really well of, of Ben, too, because, like, yes, I'm heartbroken, but I'm not going to force my child to, mm-hmm. you know, to, like, not take the steps of growing up just so that I can be more comfortable. And he's, A lesser and so they- episode would have made his whole motivation for doing this trip to bond with Jake like that camping right. trip episode they did it but here it wasn't that that was part like of you're it you're coming with me whether you want right. to or not but and this it's, you it's know it's also that. he just was geeking out he's like I want to build that ship it's not it's 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 really it's really good writing Rene Echeverria and Ira Steven Bear are terrific writers and I think handled this really really well um Dex of course can empathize having been a father a few times herself Nice, nice little beat there, but mm-hmm. like, of course. Yep. Dax has gone through this this exact transition multiple times. Later, Jake gets a message from New Zealand. We all think it might be from his girlfriend, but it's not that. Uh, and then he looks out the port and winces. Clearly, he's thinking something about his dad. And at this point in the episode, we think it's, oh, because my girlfriend's coming, and he realizes mm-hmm. that he wants to be the dad but it's clearly more or for all we know uh, my initial thought was oh she just canceled on him oh well but he was excited when he read the message Mm -hmm, right then looked out the port Mm -hmm. and winced good good direction there he uh then goes to cisco's now finished ship and tells his father fast well we don't we don't know how long the montage there was a montage yeah there's a montage. Montage can be anywhere between like ten minutes. Now, and if 10 he had minutes. had a beard at this juncture, we would like have known. A full, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. Like we see, like the entire Dominion War happen mm-hmm. around him. He's like, ah, whatever. Uh, but here's the exciting part. He says, "I want to come along, Dad." And I wrote down well, kind of what you just said. Jake is a remarkably emotionally intelligent teenager, and that's what good parenting will do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really speaks to to the quality of Jake, but also that's that's Ben's parenting mm-hmm. to create a kid who is that emotionally intelligent. It's pretty pretty cool. An interesting direction in this scene too, because they choose not to have Ben react in any sort of like surprise or I'm so thrilled. It's sort of either either it could it, it could have been we don't know it could have either been. Oh, cool. That's great. But I was going one way or the other. I'm excited about the mission. So that's like cool. Or it's just subtle. He's playing it inside. He doesn't want to show, you know. I I, I think it's because he doesn't want to put too much pressure on mm-hmm. Jake. It's really cool. Because like he's like, oh, God, it's was everything I've ever wanted. That then pressures him to do it in the future. Spoiler alert. At every, and this goes to the writing, goes to the performance, goes to everything. At every corner in this storyline, when I thought, oh, here comes a trite beat. Right, because there's so many pitfalls where this could just be trite. They they swerve every time. Here was one of them. I was like, oh, he's going to be like, oh, I'm so excited. Nope. They they, play, they they It's so grounded and so how it should be. It's hard not to just applaud. Well, it's it's. I I think it it speaks to the emotional intelligence of both characters. Mm-hmm. Right. 
they are they are doing a much better job nuancing their reactions for each other's benefit. Yeah, and just and, and also natural chemistry. Yeah. Well, clearly they were very close, and, and and Avery talked a lot about the responsibility he felt um, taking care of Sarek. Like, mm-hmm. and that I think that's it's a really it's it's great. It's just good work. Uh, anyway, so later Dax creeps up on Bashir, who is cramming for his meeting with Doctor Lenz, who is the doctor who beat him. They were super competitive with each other in college, and she got the prime post on the Lexington which is what everybody wanted, but he wanted to be on Deep Space Nine. Dax asks, so then why does it matter? And he points out that if she had wanted Deep Space Nine, she could have taken it from him. And it's all about control, and uh, which is interesting. And Dax has a thought in that moment and doesn't share it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we ever hear what Dax's thought was, but there was clearly one there. I thought that it was very interesting that for me, this episode, this storyline retroactively informed the storyline I disliked greatly some episodes Mm. back when he was up for that prize and it was sort of a weird competitive thing everybody was competitive for him and he was pretending like he wasn't into it this informs that quite a bit it's just kind of flip-flopped yeah no it's interesting he does have that pressure he imposes on himself and he wants to have been done better and they man that easter egg of the ganglionic uh, fiber or whatever really drops its head again well, and and there are more layers to come yet. Okay. A crazy, amazingly, there are still more layers to come on that story, which mm-hmm. is so weird. But here we are. So later, none other than Gul Dukat zooms Cisco, already aware that he's going to make part of the journey in the light ship. He taunts Cisco about chasing fairy tales and reminds him that light ships are very fragile and. It's super dangerous. There's all sorts of things out there. There's the Maquis. There's subspace problems. And Cisco directly asks him, are you threatening me? And he's like, oh, no, of course. But the Cardassians clearly don't want the Bajoran fairy tale to be true um, for lots of political and social reasons. Shout out to the so, costuming here. All of Ben's casual clothing is awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Garrick's been busy. Yeah. He's been back. He's got to be a tailor again. Which gotta... stands to reason. Maybe Garrick's got some information about Ben's trip and passed it along. Well, but would Garrick tell Ducat that? They who, hate each other. Who knows? Or, or, who or knows? they just have manifests of all kinds of ancient Bajoran tech getting sent over to D-Space 9. Well, I mean, the, the, the Cardassians have always had good intelligence, although now... We're dealing with the Cardassian government and not the Obsidian mm-hmm. Order mm-hmm. because they got their butts handed to them. So, interesting. Um, anyway, uh, they set sail from Deep Space Nine and Ben and Jake manually crank open the sails. The ship is... No, no. I have to go over and delete your buttons. <laughs> you the collection trouble. of buttons I have are just random. It's 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 terrible. Every one of them costs money. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, we haven't pointed out yet, though. I think the re the redress of this little area is awesome. I love the the sort of uh, very tactile, um, very practical set. Very uh, props, lots of maneuvering, and clearly there was some sort of somebody had some. Uh, 
history with sailing because the the, the yep, terminology sure. and the movements. Yep. I think it's yep. it's grounded. It's based on something. Yeah, I, I, I literally my next sentence was the interior design is awesome. Mm-hmm. Looks like a steampunk steampunk sailboat cabin. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and the the outside of the ship is beautiful, mm-hmm. and and the uh, the CG actually looks pretty decent considering it's modeled on the same textures as Odo when he's gooing, but you know same difference. It's just like I'm a sail now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if it was you saw his face and he's like I'm helping out. I'm the king of the world. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, the uh, the sound design of the creaking ship is also terrific. I did a I'll save it here, but I did a whole riff on this in my watch along because the 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 hum is so iconic on the show. Yeah. You're listening to it now. So when it's not there, it, it sneaks up on you and you're like, hey, something's different, something's different. And before Ben mentions it, and they even put the kind of swaying creak you if you listen to like yeah. a ship sound effect, you get that very sea based uh Yeah, no, and and you know, as somebody who has sailed a fair amount, like it's it is very it, it feels very realistic. It feels, you know, that the, the interior of the cabin there does feel like, you know, being below deck on a sailboat. Like mm-hmm. it is, it has all of that feel and that's the sound, that's design, that's the acting, that's the writing. Um, just great stuff. And uh, Jake finally gets it. He gets how awesome this is. Mm-hmm. And and I also gonna say the score. Excellent score. Great. I mentioned that too, yeah. It's a, you know, it's a different type of score than we've heard. It's a, it's a different theme. And it's beautiful. It's and, very and, sea adventure. There's like a staccato nature to it that I appreciate. It's really cool. Uh, what was, oh, the Voyage of the Mimi. Did yes. you remember that? Boy, yeah, in Ba-da-da-da-da. school, man. That was my whatever. Mrs. Cavalieri, yes. seventh grade science. Definitely watch the Voyage of the Mimi. Uh, ben Affleck's first role. I got to imagine it's on YouTube, right? Got to imagine. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah, I love that score too. The, the theme for the Voyage of the Mimi. Anyway. So in Act 3, they're on the journey, and Cisco is navigating using an old tiny compass rather than the computer, which I totally get, and I think that's really cool. Later, if I have any wormhole, it's like, he had to have a computer navigation backup somewhere. Like, let's not be crazy, but maybe he didn't. It's very uh, it's very bold of him not to do that. So uh, later, Jake asks about the space crapper a rare moment on trek that we acknowledge that uh you know people still poop in the future <laughs> and jake is bummed to discover he, i i you're gonna pull up the voyage of the mimi i got it yeah you want to hear it because i don't remember it so let's let's see what we got let's listen is this chrome maybe no, i need I, I need chrome baby this is uh, tintillating radio. Yeah. <laughs> People of a certain age has definitely tapped into your childhood. I love this thing. It... Episode two, setting sail. I uh, I that was like my first experience of. When, when an episode would end and like class was over and you knew you had to wait until the next week till, till we were going to watch right, the next right. one oh, because we only did it on Thursdays we would watch and just that feeling of I can't wait I cannot wait until the yes. next episode and then like when the storm happened yeah. oh my oh, god man I gotta watch it's it again so I, I have no recollection of what the plot was 
No, but I, I remember because they get they get sort of shipwrecked and they teep us, teach us uh, survival skills mm -hmm. and how to use like, you know, condensation of water to get yourself water. Like, oh, that's an earworm. Oh, man. So good. All right. Anyway, if if you didn't watch that in class, you're going to be so bored by this. But if you did, oh, go I feel and watch like it. chances if you are watched, a lot of you out. did. Yeah. I bet a lot of you watched that. All right. Uh, Jake is bummed to discover that all his father brought to drink are zero gravity rations. Uh, and perhaps this explains why he doesn't have the backup navigation. Cisco is all about authenticity on the trip. And actually, you know what? I can sort of fix that because he did have a plan. He can call the station and they can be there within an hour. Mm -hmm. so for a moment, I thought that the whole we're, we're lost or whatever was uh, a ruse for him. Like he was just spending oh, extra so time with Jake. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love this screenshot. Like this would be a poster for me. I just it's such a good moment for them. For the oh, guys. my God. Good. Like father son mm -hmm. stuff and that design. Yeah. hundred percent. And that porthole, oh, that porthole's excellent. Porthole's excellent. No, I mean, like, the, the father-son of this all, like like you said, and, and I, I didn't go through the experience that you did, but, like, oh, God, it really does, like, tap into, it's like that yeah. core. And if it's not really. something you had, because we didn't have a great, like, it wasn't perfect, you know, it it yeah. harkens to something you wanted or that, you know, it's, a, it, 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 it's something we can all connect to because you either had it and miss it or you didn't have it, Wish wanted you had it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. I mean it's it's really good stuff. Good stuff. Um anyway, so they have a, a quiet moment where Cisco notices, like you said, the silence of no engines running. He imagines how the ancient Bajorans must have felt, not knowing where they were gonna where they were going. And uh to find themselves here on the ship. Yeah, the parallel I draw is is sort of people in the in the South Pacific, you know, creating those first rafts, those so sail rafts, and yeah. traveling hundreds and hundreds of thousands of miles, and or ending up on Easter Island and finding these places, and then somehow being able to navigate back from the stars and from right. the tides, and just the bravery. Well, that's the here. Yeah, the you bravery know, that must have taken. It's uh, you know, <laughs> there there are already people there, but finding yeah. you know finding North America, whether it was the Vikings, whether it was whatever, it, it's it's. And just like, I'm just going to sail in that direction, see what happens. Man, even Might fall off the world. When I do these cruise ships, I, I like to go up on the deck at night and just stand there and look at the black ocean and just feel that utter guttural fear of just how the oh, immensity of terrifying. it. Terrifying. And that's on a giant ship that I'm pretty confident it's going to make it to where we're going. I can't imagine being on this little thing and just like this hoping for the best. Flimsy ship. Yeah. Out in the middle of no. Yeah. No, it's crazy. So, uh,. Anyway, so he thanks Jake for coming, even though he even though he knows he didn't necessarily want to, and which I thought was, um, if you're a father, clock these things. Thank your kids for yeah. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's really just just bearing witness to Jake's decision. There is such mm -hmm. a good like father moment. Well, I think so many uh, parents ha would like to continue the ruse that they've got everything handled and they got. They're they're in charge and nothing affects them and I think right. that's yeah. they they think they have to portray that character but showing a little bit of vulnerability man, man yeah that would have been great oh my god right oh show vulnerability to your kids folks anyway uh we're not dealing with our own shit or they'll grow up and not want any oh well, yeah yeah if you know, they're gonna grow up and start a podcast <laughs> talk about this shit you don't want this you do not want your kids ending up like this. 
Drake says, I have something I want to tell you. Then he gives his father a pad with a story he's written. Read it first. And Cisco says, I'll read it right freaking now. That's what the artist really wants. On the station, the Lexington has arrived, and Bashir is nervously getting his infirmary ready for his rival to show up. Odo comes in and teases him and says, uh, she's in works. So they go right there, and Bashir and O'Brien sit in Quark's too nervous to go talk to her. And Quark mentions, eh, she's beautiful. Then she gets up and blows right by Bashir, ignoring him entirely. Oh, snap. We go to the solar ship, and Jake is nervously watching his father read his story. I know that feeling intimately. <laughs> I get it. And Cisco finishes and gives his review. It's kind of lukewarm. And he says he likes it, but he has notes. Jake is clearly disappointed. And Ben mentions that, you know, you're writing about things you haven't experienced. Unless you've, you know, joined the Maquis. And bang. Jake, quick on his feet, pretends he has for a second. Um, which I thought was really good. Good moment, uh, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting. It's a very interesting to take that Ben is not effusive here. Mm -hmm. uh, especially in contrast to, like, the 80s, 90s parenting style of overpraising your kids. Um, or the opposite. Or, right, and, and that he, he gives a very sort of, like, honest take on it. And he says, you know, there's, there is a lot of promise here, and I he does strongly encourage Jake to keep writing. Mm -hmm. um, but he's like, yeah, it, it needs, you know, it needs need some seasoning, needs some work. And I think, I, I, you know, it's so funny. I think about it, that would have broken my heart mm -hmm. <laughs> had he done it that way. Um but it's interesting, it's, too, because it's, it's, it's a preview. Yes, it's a very interesting choice that we should talk about for me because it's a preview. Had Jake already expressed his interest to go to this school, then yeah. there's so many potential motivations for the lukewarm review or for the, the I should say, right. the, the, the critical sure. review because it it could be that he doesn't want him to go and so he's discouraging him. It could be that right. he knows that it's a pr pr possible profession so he wants to be very captain-esque you know, or commander-esque where he's... Yeah giving he's adjudicating just like he did with nog and he's like i want to make sure yeah. that you know he's he has this the goods before i recommend or before i approve but here it's very just dad and because the, the beat preceding this jake seemed very trepidatious in a way of, of making his it. dad reading it so so ben makes his conscious choice to be so i don't say brutal it's not brutal but it's very honest it's, it's honest it's honest and you know god i mean giving writers and artists feedback is so treacherous because like you know for myself there are times i need like i need your honest feelings on this i need some honest mm -hmm. feedback and but there are also plenty of times especially when somebody's first looking at something i just need some yeah. validation here i need some it's I, I need curious some. because i'm tempted to say that it's a bit of writers preempting where they want to go with the plot line However, everything else in this exchange or in this relationship during this episode is so well thought through and plotted yeah. that it's hard to think that they would have kind of just no, anticipated I, I, a pre a, a forward beat. It, it's I, tough. I, 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 I think we're saying something about Cisco. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think we are like he – I think from his point of view – and I and I'm not necessarily thinking – I'm not – 
I don't think I would necessarily do it this way myself, but I think from Cisco's point of view, he is treating Jake with the with enough respect mm. to just be completely honest with him and to be like, all right, yes, this this does show promise, but there's some pieces here that, that you can get better at um, as opposed to sort of coddling him or pandering to him. I think mm-hmm. I think he's he's being straight with him. And and I think that if it were me, I'm, I would have softened the edges a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that was what he was trying to convey about the character. Yeah. Um, and Jake does not take it. Nope. He does not take it badly. Um, and he he follows it up with what Jake really needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And that is, I strongly encourage you to keep writing. Jake says, I want to. I've been offered a writing fellowship at the Pennington School on in New Zealand on Earth. And Cisco is happy for him mm-hmm. and and says, yeah, go friggin' do that. Um, Which shows a lot of growth because once, you know, he responded a little bit more bristly when he heard Jake didn't want to go to Starfleet. But right. now he's... He's coming to accept who Jake really is. Um, we also learned a little nugget here that Mrs. O'Brien was the one who uh, submitted him to Pennington, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, but then something goes wrong with the ship. We don't know what it is. Uh but we come back after the commercial break and discover that one of the masts on the ship has collapsed on, and they're in trouble. They're going to have to jettison the broken sail, uh, which they do. Good thing you had that little eject button. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're safe, but they're not going to be able to fly very fast this way. Cisco is about to give up, but Jake says, nah, man, the Bajorans didn't give up. Let's keep going. So they do. Um, Good, good on Jake there. So back in Deep Space Nine, O'Brien and Bashir are heroically drunk, mm-hmm. singing ancient songs that are out of copyright. Bashir is gutted uh, that his rival ignored him. And O'Brien thinks, she's got to be in love with you, or can't stand you. And he explains that Bashir is not an in-between guy. People either love him or hate him, And he admits that he hated him when they first met. And now, well, he doesn't hate him. The love is honest right there. And I identify with that very well because, like, I think in a lot of ways, I'm a love him or hate him guy. Oh, yeah, I know. That that people people either really like me or they can't stand me. So I fall into that same category, which is probably why we're friends. Yeah, well, (laughs) fair enough. Um... Meanwhile, Colm plays an amazing drunk. I was going to say, you get there are two very different ability levels in performing drunk here. That's <laughs> how I'll say it. Drunk. Yeah. Yes, yes. Colm is a very authentic drunk. Uh, he even does some of his lines with his mouth full. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Bashir's going a different way, but it's cool. Well, I mean... It's comedic beat, it, whatever. It's possible he's never been drunk. Yeah. Colm... Yeah, he's been clearly, there. clearly been there. Uh, <clears throat> if you know, you know. So uh, he says, all you got to do is confront her. But maybe wait until tomorrow because you can barely stand up. And all I'm thinking throughout this entire scene, now that I'm at my age, I'm like, I hope they have good hangover cures in the future because I am dreading their morning. I'm like, uh, I'm already sad for them. Oh yeah, they must. There's got to be something spray in their face or something. That's right. They've warp drive. They've got to have a way to fix that. So on the ship, 
they get the sails working together and they hang the hammocks. And Cisco, gloriously, thank you so much, says hammock time. Mm-hmm. Thank they you do a for full yep, and then it's funny they do a full '90s beat because Cisco goes hammock time and Jake goes yo, like they do a full <laughs> like hip hop moment and I'm here for it. I was so here for it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. For, I wonder if that was in the script or whether that was an Avery choice. Whatever it was, I'm like, thank you for that. I mm-hmm. was gonna do it and you did it for me. Yeah. They're like anachronistic. So, Forget it. We're doing it. Ah no, it's subtle. It's subtle. Because uh, if if you weren't a child of the '90s, you would have no idea what that meant. Yeah, it's fair. That that was that was an ephemeral moment of glory in our childhoods. So they continue talking about the Pennington, and Jake says, "I'm not going. I'm not ready yet, and I can defer for a year if I want to." Jake says, uh, "Cisco says I wasn't much older than you when I went to Starfleet." And he talks, he tells a story, again, showing vulnerability. An incredible story. Great story about how homesick he was at the beginning. And he would beam home every single night uh, for the first week. But then he got over it and didn't want to leave. And and actually, it's a great, in that beat is a little nugget there that I think speaks to why Cisco is such a good parent. Because his parents were so good. Because they... He said, like, my parents, I just arrived home for dinner, like, nothing was strange, and my parents didn't even call attention to it. They just let me work through my stuff. Imagine college if you could have just beamed your laundry home. Oh, my God, yeah. It wouldn't <laughs> be my cell phone, but my laundry, for damn sure. Uh, actually, no, it's not true. Freshman year. I struggled. I really struggled yeah. my first year in college. Um, so I probably would have done the same. So uh, then Jake says, you know, it's not me I'm worried about. I'm not worried about being homesick. I'm worried about you. You're going to be all alone here on the station without me. And Jake wishes that Cisco had somebody, like a girlfriend. It's been over a year since you've had a date, and I just so happen to know someone who wants to meet you. Uh, which, uh, huh, talk about, you know, like the emotional intelligence and empathy that Jake has. Like, mm-hmm. they're both thinking about each other's situation in this. Um, and uh, you know Jake's concerned for his father it yeah. seems genuine and ah it's great uh, then something else goes wrong and they're being thrown through space at what looks to be warp speed we can tell Uh-oh. by the little rainbow lasers well the stars mm-hmm. once, the, uh, once the stars are going by super fast we're at warp uh, turns out they are at warp even with the broken sails and main power off they eventually slow to a stop, and they realize they got themselves caught in a tachyon eddy. And because of the sails, they were pushed to warp, because the tachyons go at warp speed and uh, don't usually affect anything because they're not taking up as much space, but the sails had them have. You know, it doesn't make a heck of a lot of spa- uh, of sense, but the first pass works, so like I'm, a, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with it. Cool. And they may have traveled light years, and have no idea where they are because Cisco's compass is smashed. And he's super bummed that he's going to have to call for help. But the sis- the station is not responding. Uh-oh. So we go to Quark's, and now sober Bashir stares at his rival, then musters up his courage to go sit down with her. He is forced to introduce himself to her because mm-hmm. she doesn't recognize him at all. Mm-hmm. She knows his name, though. And she thought he was an Andorian. 
one of the blue guys. She got him mixed up with something else. And it turns out she's cool, after all. Mm-hmm. And knows all about the pre-ganglionic fiber issue. And here's one of those great what-if conversations. Turns out she's bored on the Lexington. It's just a charting mission. She's envious of him. This, uh, this what what they didn't know they were doing, which I, I think is so awesome in this beat. Because it, it's like, yeah, the grass isn't always greener, right? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty obvious kind of beat. But... This is pre-social media. It pre it presupposes what social media will be, which is mm. you look on social media and everybody's living the life. Oh, I wish I had their life. I wish I had that. But then if you go actually talk to any people, they're bored. They don't love what's going on. They're they're trying to portray an image. Everybody's got their stuff. Yeah, of being happy so that they don't have to tell anybody they ain't happy. So it's 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 so great how this captures something we th- or a connection we think. Oh, it's great. Instead of we don't see our schoolmate for you know twenty years and then find this out. Oh, we keep up with them on Facebook. I know everything that's going on in your life, but guess what? That's all. No, you it's don't. all manufactured. So it's. I love that yeah. this happens before all that, but it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, it's a good and and because you know they weren't Facebook friends. He, she didn't even know what he looked like, which makes sense because she was back there freaking out about her speech, just like he right. was. Yeah, of course, of course, and. uh Turns out they're fast friends, and they just want to go talk about science. It's pretty cool. So we go back to the solar ship, and Jake asks if, uh, are we going to run out of air and die? And Cisco shrugs <laughs> and asks about this woman Jake wants him to meet. Turns out she's a freighter captain named Cassidy Yates, uh, and he makes a deal. All right, if you go and meet with this freighter captain... I promise not to make my decision about whether to go to Pennington on how the date goes, mm-hmm. which seems really fair. That, that's, that, that makes sense. But Jake says, you know what? I've already decided to wait a year so I can get more life experience before I go, which was the number one critique that Ben had of his writing. He didn't have a lot of life experience. And I totally get it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's... Um, the weird thing is, it's really good feedback. And and because uh, I remember my writing from when I was his age, I was like doing all this crazy stuff that I had no idea what I was mm-hmm. talking about. I was just sort of mimicking other things. Well, yeah, this could have gone a lot of ways, right? But I think that once again, this is great writing. Uh, we, we see the emotional acuity of Jake Sisko, and we also see just a great human being here, right? Instead of, like, getting yeah. uh, hurt about all those things, he's like, let me make my decision based on what's best for my writing because that's a true passion. I trust my dad enough to take his critique and yeah. I can square my decision logistically, postpone a year, get that life experience, utilize my time here on the station and the opportunities I'm being given from my father, grow, learn, be better, and then go pursue. Oh my, what great stuff. Well, and with all of that being true, he also, they also still allow the character to still be young. Yeah. Like the mistakes he makes as a young writer are what a young, what a kid would do. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, uh, when, when you're, when you're that young, you try to write like an adult as opposed to write in your own voice and so like he's still a kid too as well as having Yeah, and he doesn't those. have to say it, but we know that infused in this is, you know what? I had a great time. I want a little bit more time yeah. with my dad. Yeah. No, it's 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 really really cool. That's when three Cardassian warships arrive in front of them. 
It's Gul Dukat, and he's there to congratulate them on making it all the way to Cardassian space. They did it, and the Tachyon Eddy must have taken them just like it did the ancient Bajorans. And Dukat has to read a proclamation from the Cardassian government, uh, which is forced to admit that it's so funny. Just today, we <laughs> discovered an ancient Bajoran ship crashed on Cardassia, and they shoot off fireworks to celebrate, uh, which I can't imagine the Cardassians ever would have done. But it's a great way to end the episode. Yeah, or do they don't even have to really? Well, let's we'll get we'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th yeah. All right. So let's uh, let us now go uh, move along home. Go tea along home. I'm just sitting here watching the the Wadi guy do that and just realizing this is the same show as yeah, it's true <laughs> as as move along home it's kind of hard to imagine that like it's both the same show uh but let's uh let us discuss were there any wormholes in the plot minor right so one uh, well one minor and then one just kind of like overall so one like you said uh, the 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 fireworks thing it's like what what when have they ever done that right like when did they have ever need for a firework type of thing or why would they celebrate this and also i guess i get the like propaganda reason why you would have to be like oh this this crash site found and blah 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 but they could have kept it under wraps like or they were they just waiting for a moment to uh, then that didn't i understand the point it makes but it doesn't logistically make a lot of sense why they would have to do it then whatever uh the bigger one for me is so you're telling me, in all of this time, Ben Sisko's the only person who has decided, the only intrepid uh, hobbyist archaeologist who's like, let's go test this ship thing out? Nobody's ever done that before successfully? Well, we don't know that anybody, if anybody has tried and failed, because I think it was a pretty unlikely thing. But remember, Bajor's been under occupation for like 70 years, 80 years. So uh, we're, we're not in a position to have uh, given it a try. Like, mm -hmm. no, nobody's, nobody, they're just trying to survive. They're not, like, tinkering and fooling around with this kind of stuff. They didn't have the luxury of doing okay. that. Um, and before there was a sort of a peace treaty going on with Cardassia and the Bajorans, and, be, and before there was the Federation there to sort of, like, play, play dad watching the whole thing. Mm hmm I mean, they might have tried, and the Cardassians might have blown them out of the sky. Right. And and because they wouldn't have had a way to communicate back in time. Okay. Okay. Like, Still. Why wouldn't they? But that's uh, okay. Tentative. And then the second thing I would say is, I we could probably. I'm not going to. I'm sure someone probably already has. We could probably go and put together a loose timetable from when Ben is like, yo, let's build this thing to when it's built because of when Jake receives his, he's gonna go see this girl's gonna visit and then he received the communique and stuff. Like, we could probably piece together a timetable and I'm guessing it's gonna be very quickly that Ben single-handedly got all these supplies and built this huge elaborate ship. And that seems a little unlikely even given Ben's proclivity to being pretty good. He didn't have any engineering help or any, it seems like it was like 
it's different than a little model clock. Well, so he has the help of a future computer. It still strains a little credulity. It doesn't bother me. I'm just saying it's on the list of wormholes, and mm-hmm. we're willing to let it go. But those are my only two couple quibbles. So, Keith, would you like to add anything to the mix? Yeah, no, I, I don't think I have anything that you didn't say. I mean, I'll, you know, the, the, the fireworks was a little, was a very out of character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... I liked it. it. It didn't matter to me because of what the the rest of the theme of the episode was and, and how important that was culturally. And, you know, he, I, I, the only way I can, I can fill that wormhole is the political machinations with Cardassia and Bajor are very complex. Mm-hmm. And the Cardassians are always up to something. So they they're always pretending to do one thing. Well, you know, like this, I mean, how much, how often does Dukat say, "I'm the good guy. I'm your friend. I'm your whatever." And so there's a, there's a lot of sort of performative friendship things that he does for all sorts of various different reasons. And I could totally see the Cardassian government for some, for lots of different reasons, doing this as a ploy, as a as a as a feint, as a whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do act and do odd things all the time as some sort of manipulation or negotiation tactic. Um, so I could totally see that as a diplomatic thing, you know, and we, and we see it in, you know, between in the cold war between Russia and the States, like we'd have these sort of flir- diplomatic flourishes of a state dinner and sending flowers or returning the whatever. And, and so like, I think, the diplomacy element of it, I could see them doing that. Mm-hmm. For, we just don't know what the underlying architecture of that is. So that's how I'll fix it. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about our best moment. Well, there's some some really good ones. There's a lot of places where, I, like I said, I thought they were going to go trite, but they don't. Uh, I, I actually think there's... Man, any of those Cisco Ben scenes really could have could be or Cisco Jake scenes could be I think I'm going to choose when I think I'm going to choose the story about you know when Jake's on the hammock and Ben's talking about mm. when he went to college yeah I think about the only time I saw my dad cry really uh, was when my brother went to college and we dropped him off and then we're getting right in the car to drive home and mm. just and so that scene where Ben's you know explaining his his just Talk about emotional maturity, realizing that Jake is going to fly the coop and he'll get over it just like I got over it. And there's it's all about moving forward. And it's such a life lesson he's teaching Jake. But at the same time, Jake is hearing that and saying, I'm not ready. I want to it's there's so much happening just during it, during like basically a parable. Uh, So that's the best moment I'm going to pick, because I think it sums up the relationship that this whole episode is in service of. Well, and I I think um yeah, I'm gonna obviously gonna pick another uh, uh, Ben Jake moment here, and I think it's sort of the 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 flip side of exactly that scene because in the scene you're describing, he expresses his vulnerability. Mm-hmm. He shows his vulnerability to Jake. He is able to empathize with him and say like, "I know how you might be feeling. I felt that too. You know, I was sort of vulnerable, and and here's sort of what happens." I'm gonna say the flip side of that, and where he didn't show his vulnerability for also a good parenting reason so that when Jake didn't want to go, he did not sort of guilt 
Jake into it by showing how heartbroken he was. And when Jake said, I do want to come, he didn't overreact to that either. It was it was a way as a parent, you you show vulnerability sometimes, but you all you you don't show vulnerability as a way to manipulate your child. And you show vulnerability as a way to empathize, but not manipulate. And that is like really fantastic parenting. And so those two flip sides, I think, are were the best moment for me. Really, really good. Let's throw out some stem bolts, shall we? You get some stem. This one, this one hit hard. I just, I loved so much of it. It, it, you know, for all of the sci-fi goodness and 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 giant scale things we saw last week and we've talked about, this week yeah. goes a completely different way. It's it's father son on a boat talking, right? Right. Uh, and like we said, every time I thought it could fall into a trite. They could they could make a trite. I don't even mean trite in the pejorative way. I'd, it it would go in a direction where you would think, okay, it's the Waltons, right? It's 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 the Andy right. Griffith show, which is has every right to do. It's it's a network television show. Sure. It it goes a different way, you know. Instead of the violins playing like on a on a a Family Matters, you know, right. or a, you know a Cosby show, which was like a kind of a prototype of that kind of a relationship, right? They were trying to show. Um, sorry to call that illusion to, to, to bear but regardless it's you know it's what it in the culture it's what it in pop culture that's what that was trying to do a very similar father figure but here it was it it it, it highlighted emotional intelligence and maturity at every turn on the flip in the in the B story and I mean we talked for an hour about how much this was an important episode for them and it leaves them both in a they each individually grew, their relationship yeah. grew, and they have a better understanding moving forward. I don't know why. I think I guess the joke on Jake has been how fast he grows. I, I thought people were talking about he was annoying as like a character. I think he's absolutely excellent. I really one of my favorite characters, I think. Um and just I'm so interested in like who continue to see him grow and become who he's because he's becoming like a better version, an even better version of Ben Sisko, who I love. Okay. So on the on the B story, you know, once again, incredible relationship building in in the sort of he's his new friend, right? His the person he thought was going to be this enemy, this 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 rivalry that he created was conjured. This person didn't she didn't even know who he was. There can't be a rivalry right. if they don't even know you. And if he had just gotten over himself and gotten over the, the fear or the anxiety, the social anxiety, it's such kind of a meta commentary on social anxiety that we Im- impose on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Success, the, we, just these monsters we create in our head. And if we don't ever face them or approach them or at least put our, open ourselves up to the, the, the catastrophizing we've done, we... <laughs> We just live in it, right? We live in the stress we create, and we can just avoid it by going head in and being just honest and vulnerable and open. Yeah. And also, that grows his friendship, his friendship with O'Brien, who O'Brien right. is honest with him, and they drink, and he's like, "Look, I, we, I had to get to know you, and I, you know, and 
this episode on every front is about emotional vulnerability and the growth that can be extruded from that and extruded from that and it's just something you do not see at this time on TV very much especially from mostly men yeah it's it's like what um you know compare this to like Al Bundy you know right emotionally <laughs> vulnerable men are a big part of deep space nine and uh and i also love that quark you know it is even in a comedic beat don't don't underplay that quark bet on bashir yeah you know what i mean like yeah. they're all starting to kind of root for each other and get each other's back and they're all it's there's so much and even the conflict in this episode isn't real like the ship it's all just kind of there because it had those we have to hit those beats but it's not about any of that it this is really a no. meditation this episode this edit is yeah. really uh and and i'm here for it i just thought it struck every emotional beat right for me it the pacing was just right the the performances were that they got out of these actors was really great. I really can't poke almost any holes in it, to, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I'm not going to shoot the moon here, but I'm going to give it a solid. I'm, you know, in our high school, you, our our grading curve didn't hit A until '93, Keith. So mm. I'm going to give it an A, and I'm going to give it 93 self sealing stimples. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's really interesting because I I knew you were gonna like this episode mm-hmm. for all of for all of those reasons, and I do too. And it's an episode that I have um, liked more and more the older and more mature <laughs> I've gotten. Right. So when I was fifteen, I was like, oh, I don't know, whatever, like it's fine. But like now, it's like, oh man, that just hits in a really specific and interesting way. And I think that they're. You know, we we have we have four, you know, basically four dudes in this episode. Mm-hmm. We have Ben and Jake, and we have O'Brien and Bashir, and it's about those twin sets of relationships. And what we find on Deep Space Nine, um, which I really like, is that these relationships are almost characters too, because mm-hmm. we talk about like mm-hmm. the station is a character on this show. Yes. But also, the Ben-Jake relationship is its own character on the show. And the O'Brien-Bashir friendship is its own character. And so we're seeing those characters really develop in this episode a great deal. You know, O'Brien being able to admit that he loves Bashir for the first time in this episode. And and Ben and Jake's maturing and growing relationship as Jake grows up as Ben goes through stuff, they're both maturing in different ways and taking care of each other in different ways. Um, just as we've seen O'Brien and Bashir grow and take care of each other. And it's really, um, I think it's beautiful. And, and as you said, like the, the vulnerability of these male relationships is not something that we saw a lot, um, especially on television. And I think it's very um, smart and and very well written and it's just it's a it's a tremendously well written episode and it's fascinating to see it on the heels of the die is cast mm. and um star trek does this beautifully sometimes on the heels of these gigantic arcs these gigantic stories um we get these little 
palette cleanser character pieces. Um, after the best of both worlds on uh, Next Generation, uh, we had part one, part two. We f- The episode Family is almost a part three of that. And yet it is it is a deeply personal, emotional family story. Um, that there's there's no sci-fi, there's no pew pews. It's it's Picard wrestling with the emotional consequences of best of both worlds and dealing with his family. Um, that I think, you know, it, it's it, you almost see these things in three pieces. And and I really like this as our as our thing we go to after that crazy big episode to have this beautiful father-son story um in this and and we have we have uh, we have one coming up next season that is jaw-dropping oh great um so uh really really fun i i i love this i love this episode um it's really great so i'm gonna give it 90 self-sealing stem bolts uh very emotionally satisfying i also think it's important to mention since we're talking about the focus on male relationships and vulnerability and and I had started my sort of review with how many traps it doesn't fall into and and the one that we we failed to mention thus far and, and I think it's important for Bashir is when there's the resolution with his classmate very easily could have made them flirty flirt and it become about that but they don't right. do that right no it's about the science about the science and the friendship they want and to they talk walk medicine. Off. yeah now maybe yep. maybe Quark misinterprets their walking off together, but that's fine. That's what they, that's what yeah. Ferengi would do, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I, I love that, that, especially with Bashir, the way they set it up in the beginning, but the way they, they dovetail it, there is growth there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, no, for sure. And and Bashir's growth throughout this series, how he, you know, yeah. he, he went from a, how, how would he have reacted in that season one again? <laughs> yeah. So, it hurt my uh, face. <laughs> too old to do that but I think we you know I think you mentioned it last week I think Ira Stephen Bear gets he's shepherding this now and I yeah. think that he's he understands they had to where they could go yes well and and that's the thing and and I think that we talk about the the growth and the emotional maturity of these characters well that's what the show's doing mm-hmm. the show you know again pointing up to go from move along home and to have this be an episode just a couple of seasons in the the just the maturity and growth of the series mm-hmm. that we're 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 starting to like we have our traction now we're actually we're not spinning our wheels we are fully moving forward really awesome really exciting uh so next week we have uh, another very exciting debut i can't wait to see what uh how mike is going to react to a character we like to call Moogie mm. in the episode Family Business. Ooh, look out. Uh, Mike, if people were like, I want more of this shit show, how could they see it? Well, okay, we I do think we tied it together at the end. We got our we got our ish together. Although I noticed that Strange New World is not on this slide. No, no. And that's the next show you'll see this week. Check it out on Friday where we got something good for you, I'm sure, on the next episode. We also talk about cool stuff we've watched and sometimes we get into a really nice conversation about creativity and how it mm. it, it shows itself in your life and check that out on K&M Geekly drops on Mondays look at my Star Trek toys we drop some announcements exciting announcements uh, exciting and this week yeah sure 
this weekend we're doing uh, something. Big packages. Big packages, which we don't know anything about, but you're going to this weekend, and you can follow our social medias and whatnots. Also, uh, check out all the good stuff happening on uh, Keith's Patreon. Keith's thing because he's writing yeah. new musicals and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and you can check us out on Patreon, patreoncom and We appreciate you guys. Thanks for sticking with us. We know it's 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 lots of lot lo, it's, it's it's just craziness. But we're yeah. we thank you for being part of the team. Yeah, indeed. All right, we will see you back here next week with family business. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM. <laughs>